Hello and welcome to Stock Stories. My name is Alex and I am your host, your stock storyteller for today. And thanks for joining me today. We're going to talk about a mental model. Um, we typically cover case studies of different companies in the S&P 500, but today we're going to cover another mental model. So without further ado, let's get it. So, again, welcome to Stock Stories. This is a podcast to help you, individual investors, to better understand the companies that either you're invested in currently or that you are thinking that you might want to be invested in. Whether you own them as individual stocks, maybe you own them as part of an index fund or a mutual fund or an ETF, but this is a show dedicated to helping you understand the basics of what a company is and what they actually do, how do they make money and how do they navigate in the economic system? Where do they fit in the economic system and where do they fit within civilization? So that's the purpose of this podcast. The other purpose of this podcast is to be a resource of mental models for you. Mental models are extremely powerful ideas, often very simple, that have the power to shift your mindset so that you and I can make better investing decisions and make better life decisions. They're just kind of like a toolkit for your brain. So today we're going to talk about the mental model. The map is not the territory. All right, so the mental model is this. The basic idea is very simple. A description of a thing is not the thing itself. You can describe something to me, paint a beautiful picture with words, and it can create this image in my mind of whatever you're describing, but it's not quite the same as seeing the thing itself. So that's what I'm getting at with this mental model. The map is not the territory. This mental model originated with a mathematician. His name was Alfred Korzybski, and he was a mathematician in New Orleans, and he popularized the idea in 1931 by writing a paper on mathematical semantics, basically putting the idea out there that just because you can describe something in the model doesn't mean it's perfect, and um, you have to take a close look at the assumptions of the model in order to better understand the thing itself that you're trying to describe. Now, specifically, he had a few points. Number one, a map is not actual territory. It may or may not be similar to the actual reality. 
Um, this is the basic point that I just made. The second one is an accurate map gives logical relationships between objects and entities. So imagine you have a map and it looks like point A is a little bit east of point B. Well, if in real life point A is actually east of point B, then that relationship was accurately depicted in the model. Um, so a, the purpose of a map is not just to say, oh, here's something is, and here's a description of it. It's also there to provide context for the relationship between different things. So that's the second point. And then the third point that he made was that a theoretically perfect map would actually be a map of a map of a map of a map, etc. And this is called self-reflexiveness. If you were to draw me a map of your city and then I was to take that map and draw a more accurate version of it and then you would draw a more accurate version of that, the model would gradually become more and more precise and it would represent your city more and more. But the reality is we can never do that. We can never have an infinite set of maps and iterations to constantly refine. We can do it to a certain degree with computing power, but ultimately our accuracy will never be 100% because we are never actually um, describing the thing itself in perfection. It's still going to be a description which is limited based upon our ability to do so with the tools that we have for our models. And so there are a couple applications of this. So ultimately, a model is just a model. Um, the One of the first applications that I think of in everyday life is just using the GPS. So when you're going around town and say you found a great restaurant on the other side of town, but you've never been there before, you want to know how to get there, plug that into Google Maps on your phone and let it navigate you. So Google Maps, it's it's got an idea of where to go. It'll tell you a certain path, and that's going to be based upon a pre-existing database of roads, and now it even incorporates traffic information. But ultimately, those are just predictions based on the relative speeds in those areas that you can legally drive based upon the traffic. Um, And so Google does its best with its algorithms to understand how quickly it's going to take you to get from point A to point B. But at the end of the day, it is still just a prediction. I don't know about you, but a lot of times when I've traveled somewhere with Google Maps, sometimes it'll take me a way that doesn't make the most logical sense based upon my knowledge of the area. Or sometimes it'll take me the best route, but it'll totally miscalculate the time it took to get there or it takes to get there just because of certain factors like, oh, maybe there's construction and this little strip of the street that just started that Google Maps hasn't accounted for yet. Maybe there's something like that going on. Um, But ultimately, Google Maps is great. It's still a model, though. It's not the actual reality. And that is an important thing to keep in mind. So real quickly, let's bring this into the investing context. How can we apply this mental model to our investment strategy in order to make better decisions? Well, one thing that I think about is, well, 
often professional analysts use models to predict future stock prices, predict future earnings of businesses, etc. And there are all sorts of complexities that go into that. But let's look at a very, very basic model for the performance of a stock. So let's say that you have a stock and I actually pulled up some information for a random company that I thought of. So I looked up Monster Energy. So this is the company that makes all of the Monster Energy drinks and also various other brands related to it. Uh, And this is a pretty impressive business. They are growing pretty fast. Uh, There's probably a good likelihood they'll get acquired by one of the big soda companies eventually. But let's look at the actual growth. So how much does Monster Energy make? Well, I looked up some of the recent data. In 2015, they made 95 cents a share in earnings. In 2016, they made $1.19 a share. And in 2017, they made $1.42 a share. So that's pretty good. That's excellent, actually. The earnings growth over the last few years has consistently been in a 20% range. So 20% annual earnings growth. So this is a fast-growing business. It's one of those fast growers that... Peter Lynch talks about in the six categories of stocks uh, that I mentioned in one of the first episodes of this podcast. So here we have Monster Energy. It's growing really fast. Okay, so what are the earnings going to be for 2018? Well, if we apply a 20% growth to last year's number, then we have $1.70 per share in 2018. What's the current price of the stock right now? Well, the current price is around $59. So that gives us a price to earnings ratio of about 41. So that's the basic starting data that we're starting with. Now let's create a basic model or basic map to help us, to help guide us to what we think our returns will be in the future. So a very, very simple way to do this is basically to grow the earnings at a certain rate and then apply a multiple to it, a price to earnings multiple, just like there's a price to earnings multiple. Right now, we can apply one in the future to predict the range of our returns based upon that multiple and based upon the earnings growth. Now, if there were dividends in this case, Monster Energy doesn't pay dividends, but if there was, I would have to factor this into my model too to make it more accurate, particularly if it was a company that paid out a significant portion of its earnings as dividends. But we don't have to worry about that now. Let's keep it simple. So to recap, all right, Monster Energy is trading at around $59 a share, and we expect it to earn $1.70 in 2018 earnings. So let's take that number, $1.70, and grow it by 20% a year for five years. So in 2019, we would expect $2.04 of earnings per share. In 2020, we would expect $2.45 of earnings per share. In 2021, we'd expect $2.94. And in 2022, we'd expect $3.53 in earnings per share. So, all right. So if the stock in 2022 is trading um, at the same multiple as it is right now of 41, then you would multiply 41 times $3.53, the earnings we expect, five years from now. And that gives us $144.73 per share as the price of the stock. 
Now, if we look at the $59 price per share today and the $144 price per share five years from now, we can do some quick math and see that, all right, that's a 19% annual rate of return, which is incredible. The problem with this is what's the likelihood that the price to earnings ratio is going to actually be 41 five years from now? And also, what's the chance that the earnings are actually going to keep growing at 20% for five years consistently? Now, these are difficult questions to answer, and we're not going to get into the details of Monster Energy today, but just to show the concepts, um, I wanted to bring up these numbers. Now, just for fun, I wanted to see what happened if you had a price-to-earnings ratio compressed to 30, and what would happen if it compressed to 20. So if it compressed to 30, your stock price would be $105, and you would make 12% annually on your money. If the stock price compressed to 20 as a price-to-earnings ratio, you would have it trading at $70 a share, and you would have made 3.6% annually. Now, most mature businesses tend to collapse to the 20 times earnings range. Uh, I think especially for like the big beverage companies like Coca-Cola or Pepsi, that's kind of the range that they tend to trade at. And so I think that's like a long-term play. But obviously this all assumes that your earnings are actually going to keep growing at 20%, which is a big assumption. Um, But if past performance is indicative of future results, then Monster Energy will continue to grow pretty fast. Maybe not at a 20% rate, but maybe it's somewhat, somewhat slower, but still double-digit earnings growth. So um, all this to say that if Monster Energy was to continue growing earnings at 20% a year, you would probably make somewhere between 3% and 19% a year on your money. Now, that's a very big range, but with a stock like this, the valuation applied to the earnings tends to be more, I guess, fluctuate more than the price earnings ratio of a much more stable, much more big business. Like, uh, I don't know, name a big business like Johnson and Johnson or something. But all this to say, here's a model of what we expect the earnings to be and what we apply as a valuation multiple to say, all right, as an investor, I think I'm going to make around this much, but let's come back to the basics of the mental model. The map is not the territory, even though I just put some numbers together really quickly for you and gave you a prediction of monster energies, future earnings and future stock price, I have no idea what the future earnings and future stock price are going to be. And I have no idea what the returns that you or I would make as a potential investor in this company. The fact that I increased the earnings 20% year after year for five years is just, just an example of the prediction that I'm making. I can almost guarantee you that in 2019, the earnings per share of Monster Energy is not going to be $2.04 per share exactly. There's no way for me to know that. And also, the earnings of a company don't go up, you know, exactly like in a in a perfectly exponential fashion. Sometimes they go up a little bit, sometimes they go down a little bit, sometimes they go down a lot, sometimes they go up a lot, and they fluctuate a lot. 
It's just a long-term trend. So I'm basically smoothing out this volatility with, you know, very pretty math. And that's just an example to show you how models are great, but I can almost guarantee you that the prices and the earnings per share figures that I just shared are not actually going to happen. It's just an it's just an indicator of the general direction that I think the numbers are going to go. Now, of course, I could take Monster Energy and come up with a really refined, beautiful financial model of all these different variables and predict the future growth of assets and liabilities and all sorts of things and come up with probably similar numbers, but more refined numbers. It's kind of like what I was saying before. I could make a more detailed map of a map, but at the same time, it's still not going to reflect reality exactly. And as investors, we have to be comfortable with the fact that we are never going to fully understand reality. All we can do is observe the best that we can and make well-informed decisions using the best tools that we have available and using our brain to its fullest capacity. So that is the mental model of the map is not the territory. Uh, That's all I got for you today. But next week, we are going to keep going on the series and talk about another company. So again, this has been Stock Stories. And thanks for joining me. I'll see you next week. is for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes only. You and you alone are responsible for your investment and financial decisions. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, or financial advisor that can analyze your specific situation in the context of your goals and circumstances.